The colony shouldn't be here. My corporation has been assigned the mineral rights on this planet. Our preliminary survey indicates a very rich concentration of duralinium. You know how the Earth needs that mineral. Earth or your corporation's profits? That's good for IMC, it's good for Earth. There are 100,000 million people back on Earth and they desperately need all the minerals we can find. What those people need, my dear sir, are new worlds to live in like this one. Worlds where they can live like human beings, not battery hens. And coming up in this episode, we're talking about politics in 1970s Doctor Who. And in Josiah's library, it's the Doomsday Weapon. Is it? <laughs> Is it? All this and more in Doctor Who, the complete menagerie. Almost. Hello and welcome to episode five of Doctor Who, the complete menagerie. Hello, I'm Tom. I'm Greg. And I'm Sam. We're here. We're here, we're here, we're, we're fine. I ought to tell you, listeners, if you tune into episode four... Yes, that was an entirely nutless episode. We had nearly a nut. Uh, so this this week we've, uh, we've we've replenished the nut supplies, and we we, we, made, we made do last week, didn't we? We, we had have a chocolate now, but we thought we can't we can't have a repeat of that. There was something wrong in the uh, in the in the something about the chemistry of peanuts. Yeah, they they, they seem to we work. We had chocolates, didn't we? But they cloy the larynx. Yeah, they do. And these mm. nuts really go down a treat. Mm. KP nuts, they are KP nuts. Would you like one? Oh, I love one. A bit of dry roasted. If you're Ooh. playing along at home, you open your nuts now. Yes. <laughs> yes, there we go. Buddy Windrush is not joining us for this episode. Ah. Um, he, he, he popped along to episode three, you may have noticed, and he yes. was, he was um, sorely missed <laughs> in episode four. Oh, well, um, we'll manage without him, I suppose. Mm. Uh, this is episode five, The Incredible Hulk. Yes. Which is all about... Politics in Doctor Who, particularly politics of the 1970s. So left, you're right. Well, well, well they we? say that. They said that about Mao. Mao Zedong. But it's coming back now, isn't it? With Jeremy Mr Corbyn. Corbyn. Mm. I, I must lay my cards on the table and say I'm a big Corbyn. I think he's marvellous. Really? Week, uh, like him, I was in Brussels meeting with uh, heads of government and leaders of European socialist parties, one of whom said to me... Said, what they said, Mr. Speaker. One of them. I'm a left winger, you see. Do you not worry about his stance on uh, Palestine? Oh, I, I, you know, he's got a bit. He's got some funny ideas, but that's all whipped up by the media. Basically, he just wants everyone to be nice to each other and, uh, yes. and a bit of fair play. Because all people are nice to each other, so no, no. not worry about. What, 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 what about? Uh, disarming trident and <laughs> well, having no nuclear defence. He's got some funny ideas. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the security of the realm here. Oh, come on, let's not get into a political debate. But you know, it's, it's basically thrust. Is it? He wants. He wants um, fair play for all. Anti-corruption. Where's the money going to get it? No. And where's the money going to come from? Oh crikey! Well, here we go. Here we go. Mm. I'm, I'm no pro Cameron. But Get I, used I, to it, lads. I, I, this is a, this is the tone of the conversation for the rest of the episode. I, I'm a not sure. A slanging match. I've always voted left. I'm not sure I could vote for Corbyn. He's too oh extreme God. for me. He's, he's the only, he's, well, 
this is a. Should we not talk about religion or politics? <laughs> no, the religious episode's coming up later. Okay, so that's, that'll be a bit. This of is the political one. Face. Well, I'm, I'm, if we make it through it. If we don't, if I've it doesn't to, divide us, it might split the menagerie. We'll be the, yeah, the split if menagerie. If we want to sort of, let's move, let's, let's move get on. Off, get off Derek Cor- um, Desmond Corbyn and his uh, the personality cult that is growing up around him. Greg, we need you to inject the line. Okay. If you don't get the line straight away, and I have, I have a feeling one of you might get this line, but if you don't get it straight away, I can backtrack and give you the line prior to this okay. line because it's said by the same character in the television series Doctor Who. The line is thus. Do you know, young Conan Doyle just laughed at him. Ha! Well, there's doctors for you. <laughs> um, uh, you performed that in the style of Jeremy Brett, didn't you? Um, was it, it wasn't in uh, Mordred Undead, was it? No. I'd like to have the previous line, please. OK. I'll give you the previous two lines. you definitely get this. you definitely get this. The pygmies from the Arutu forest let him blindfold for three whole days through uncharted... It's ghost-like. It is. There we are. Name <laughs> the character. It's the guy in the straitjacket. Mm-hmm. Red, 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 Redvers? Yes, Redvers. Redvers Fen Cooper. Played by that homosexual... Michael Cochran. A nice chap, though. Mm-hmm. They took him to a swamp... Michael Cochran. ...giant lizards. Like giant dinosaurs, do you know? Young Conan Doyle just laughed at him. Ha! There's doctors. Yes, Redford's Finn Cooper, as played by Michael Cochran in Ghostlight Episode 1. Thank you. us very nicely into the 1970s, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) So topical. Yeah, thanks for that, Greg. So... You're welcome. um, We are going to go directly into the Time Lash Mm. to talk about 1970s politics, but we're going to go into the Time Lash via the Mind Probe, Ah. where Tom is going to talk to Professor Sir Michael Herbert about Mm. his paper, Doctor Who and the Communist. Excellent. You are authorised to use the Mind Probe. What? The Mind Probe. No, not the Mind Probe. Well, on the line, we have a professor, Professor Michael Herbert. Um, uh, yes, you can hear him chortling in the background there. Hello, Michael I'm Herbert. Not a professor, oh, you're not a professor. Well, I like, you're a doctor, though, aren't you? No, I'm just a mister. Oh, well, well ah. should we hang up? <laughs> <laughs> I've been describing you to these lads as a professor, uh, maybe because I watch too much Doctor Who. Um, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Michael. How are you doing? Yeah, great to speak to you. Okay. But you are, you're not a professor, but you're, you're, you're an expert in something. An academic? <laughs> uh, no, not actually. I'm sort of self-taught. Uh, <laughs> the, writing, the writing I do about history. Dear, and, dear. Uh, Doctor Who and other subjects is all done uh, outside work. Well, I'm no longer working. Did you pass your O-levels, Michael? <laughs> 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 I've got a quite efficiency test. <laughs> <laughs> that will do for us. You're more qualified than I am. Okay, but you know an awful lot about the seventies uh, and Malcolm yeah. Hulk. Uh, tell us what you, how you know, and what you know about Malcolm uh, or Mac. Well, I sort of got interested uh, a couple of years ago when, when Doctor Who started being rebroadcast, and uh, I started watching it again after obviously a large, uh, large gap. So I've been watching it since nineteen sixty-three. So I was excited just for when it came back, and um, being older and sort of being more interested in history. But yeah. I was when I was fifteen. I started getting interested in uh, in the history of the show really, and became aware of the work of Malcolm Hulk. Right. And uh, I'm a trustee of a library in Salford which collects working class history. Right. Uh, over the last two hundred years, so I came across a pamphlet that Malcolm had written in 1961 when he was involved with Unity Theatre, a socialist uh, 
easier to prove in London. Right. Um, I had to doing a bit more research to try and find out because the, the library became of course a lot on the Communist Party, but uh, I couldn't find out a great deal. So I did find out a fair, fair amount about his writing and his work uh, for Doctor Who and earlier TV, which we could talk about. But do, but you um, think? But you, I guess the most important thing is that you think that uh, Max left wing. Uh, Politics informed his writing. Is that is that? I think, yes, I think so. He had a sort of worldview. I mean, he kind of wasn't completely hard line, and it's not political propaganda in the sense in any of his work. You know, it's got to be watchable and enjoyable. Um, but he sort of, I think, as as Terence Dick, Dick says uh, in an interview about Mac, um, you know, says he doesn't trust the establishment. So I think that often comes across that behind what's going on, there's something else going on. I think that often comes across in his work. Yes. Yeah. Do you think this? Do you think people noticed at the time? Do you think the Daily Mail were in up in uproar about this uh, children's <laughs> no, TV program being used for propaganda purposes? No, not at all. I don't think I'm aware. Um, I think um, you know it's kind of subtle and it's it's kind of not, not in your face, but if you if you know a bit about his, his politics, you can see it there. But it's not the same. TV drama has got to be enjoyable and it's got to work for the audience. If it's just like propaganda, people turn off and stop watching. Okay. Classic series, uh, Armchair Theatre. Uh, hello, Greg speaking. Uh, <laughs> uh, did, w- w- what were his serials for Armchair Theatre like? Were they quite left-wing as well? Um, no, they're, not, they're, sort of, they're about incidents. They're not about personal drama. I think what having sort of looked into it a bit, a lot of drama that period also relies upon uh, incidents and dramatic incidents. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of that period, because often it was broadcast live anyway, mm. uh, was wiped. So I think what well, I think <laughs> and that, they get greedy and kill him and they're left with the police arriving and all this money to explain away. Well, that's ahead of its time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so Mac was, uh, was, was he quite active in the Communist Party, do you know? Or was it, was it yes, just... It, yes, it was. I mean, look, I couldn't find out a great deal except it was known that he was on it, in it. And, uh, and John Williams is writing a book about Mac, which hopefully will come out. Oh, right. Uh, next year, I think we sort of exchange emails about oh, okay. the point. He found out a great deal more about like Mac's personal life, which was quite opaque uh, to me anyway. It wasn't in the press, I'll adequate luxury daily work at the Communist Party Journal and uh, various other sort of Communist Party archives. Yeah. But, uh, nothing was coming up. So John House been in contact with the family and found out a great deal, which was in Doctor, Ma- Doctor Who magazine a couple of months ago. Yes, it was. I didn't I didn't read the article. I think someone... Did you read that, Greg? Someone someone read it and told us about it, but... Uh, yeah, he, he, found, he found out more that... Um, ironically, because he was being monitored by... Good. Oh, was he really? So MI5 and Special Branch monitored uh, people who were in the Communist Party oh. quite heavily. You know, they sort of bugged their headquarters in, 
Well, is it any wonder that his stories kind of uh, reflect a bit of a distrust of the establishment? If he was, you know, if this is what the, the stuff he was going through, you know. So it's sort of um, it's so ironic. It's true that some of those archives um, have been put into the public domain in the National Archives, which is where John Williams. Goes. Oh, I see. So, yeah, there's a great deal. I took. I kind of guessed that Mac had probably joined the party at the end of the Second World War when it was quite popular. Yeah, mm. I, was, I was right about that. I mean, I'm, I'm often surprised reading. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a young, young slip of a lad, but I, I'm quite interested in left-wing politics. But I, I'm often fascinated by people who stayed in the Communist Party after the mid '50s, mm. when it was plain what was going on in, in yes. Soviet Russia. It was an absolute exactly. disgrace, and and these people very uh, well. I think you know, obviously, they, they stay in. They stay in the Communist Party. I think it's amazing. Well, well, people remain Christians after the Inquisition. Oh, that's true, yes. Well, that's equally balmy. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, there's a... I think, I think if people are loyal to something, then I think it's hard for them to give up or say that you've been mistaken for yeah. 20 years of your life, isn't it? But and I, I suppose ma- it's an idealistic view of the word rather than sort of practical, you know, in some senses. If you know, they weren't looking at what was really going on, it was more like, let's have an ideal and work towards it. I think that also I suppose, the sort of alternative is like America. Yeah, well, good, God. Well, going back to going back to Doctor Who, I think uh, you know you're right um, that throughout the 70s there was a sort of a, a an attitude towards authority that was that was being mistrusted that maybe didn't exist before. I mean, I, I my pet theory uh, is that the Doctor is a communist and he's, he's he's he is himself a left wing agitator. He seems to go to planets that have a, a sort of a, a, a being oppressed in some way and gets involved with the resistance movement. And by the end of the six episodes, or however many it might be. You know they've they've won over their evil overlords. Yeah, is that something? Is that too simplistic, perhaps? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's like, I think it's portrayed as a kind of uh, humanitarian on the side of good versus bad. I so don't that. So I wouldn't say he's a kind of Dickian agitator in that sort of <laughs> traditional sense. But he's on the he's always on the right side, isn't he? Against you know, yeah. against the bad things happening, against the monsters or oppression. Um, but it can take a long time to play out. Obviously, there's ten episodes of the War Games. Yes. <laughs> Yes. So, you know, the uh, Mac wrote science fiction in the 50s, a series called Pathfinders in Space. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Gerald Flood. Uh, that's right, yeah, sorry. And um, oh. that was, sort of, again, commissioned by Sidney Newman. Uh, so quite an important figure in Mac's life, I think, Sidney Newman. Mm. Also commissioned him to write for The Avengers, which he, which he worked on uh, in sort of the early years, the kind of Cathy uh, Gale period in the early 60s. Mm. And he wrote nine episodes for The Avengers, which is kind of his forte. He doesn't do, I think, uh, particularly sort of serious drama in that sense. You know, yeah. Kind of place the, the Wednesday play or play today, which you might think would might have been his natural home, but actually, I think he's much more a home in places where you can exercise imagination, like The Avengers. So right? genre fiction, sort of thing. Yeah. In terms of the solid work in the 70s, then I think he was lucky to be working with uh, Terence Dix, who had worked on The Avengers mm. with writing. And then obviously Terence went on to become the script editor. Oh, yes. It's, I find it quite yeah. interesting, Michael, that um, he didn't write the Green Death for screen, uh, but he did the novelisation. That's right, yes. It's the only 
one of his works, which isn't his, it's a big, again, that seems like a normal and natural subject for him. Absolutely, uh, and his books really do develop uh, the socialist versus capitalist theme much more strongly than it does on screen, I feel, and uh, there's always a capitalist figure which is written with much more backstory in the books. Or a bumbling bureaucrat. (laughs) Yes. uh, The the Sea Devils. Yes, yeah. Or in, is it Inferno? I think I can't remember. uh, Doomsday Weapons. Governor Bureaucrat, it pops up. We have to be humiliated by John (laughs) Pertwee. Do you you feel the difference is is quite charitable towards his uh, negative figures, would you say, uh, in that they're never necessarily bad people, but sometimes politically confused? Yes, I think so. Again, it doesn't write sort of black, you know, where everyone's good and everyone's bad. Uh, usually it's kind of, it's quite skillful at sort of betraying people thinking they're doing the right thing, even when it's the wrong thing. Except perhaps in the, um, the war games where the aliens, you know, the war, the war chiefs and the security chiefs, and the, uh, they're all really bad, aren't they? There's no redeeming qualities. They are quite yeah. ruthless, uh, just sort of, you see that in the war games. You never find out what the aliens are called or what the hell yeah, they're called. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you say that the War Games is your favourite uh, of, of Max? Uh, uh, a Doctor Who. Two of the, two of the fours. Yeah, I mean, particularly as he and Terence were like writing it. <laughs> yeah. You know, as they were still filming, I think uh, the first episode, they were still writing the final one, so it was a bit reduced at extreme haste. But I think it really stands up. Really, we yeah. need to we need to review that. I think Absolutely. the World Games on this podcast. I like uh, Invasion <laughs> of the Dinosaurs as well. I mean, apart from the dinosaur models, I think it's very underrated. Yes. John Nathan Turner, when he took over Doctor Who, famously was paranoid, whether it was because he was working with a big institution and he was answerable to them, about politics and Doctor Who. Did that contribute to Mark Culp never coming back in the 80s? Um, yes, I think so. And, uh, well, actually, that's a reason which is obviously he died in 1979. <laughs> 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 wonderful, wonderful. Uh, let's end it there, I think. <laughs> Michael, Michael, that's just humiliated Sam. That's marvellous. Um, can you... Because uh, you do a course, don't you, in Doctor Who? This is, this is amazing, just to sort of sign off. You do a course in Doctor Who? Yes, I think it's actually the only evening class in the entire country. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> because it's surprising, given the number of fans and the sort of interest. I think it's probably on academic courses in the media studies and yeah. with, with triple titles of, you know, reverse of polarities, conflict and tension huh. in Doctor Who. Is that, is that at a proper university, Michael, or is it just in your front room? <laughs> uh, yeah, it could be. No, it's at a local college in Stockport. Okay. Like, it's open to anybody. It's an adult education class in the traditional sense. You go along because you want to learn and, and be with other people. Okay. So we did it uh, this uh, April past, uh, and it's quite popular. Great. I've generated more activity about something I was doing than anything else I've ever done. <laughs> really? It's <laughs> <laughs> by the Radio Times and all the other oh, wow. papers, so. And you're doing it again? You're doing it again? Yeah, next spring. Yeah, next spring. 2016. So actually, as this episode goes out, there may still be time for people to sign up, if they're in the Manchester area, to sign up to do that course. in the Stockport, uh, Stockport, you say? And also it's a move of all kind of course in the sense that we've now had... When I was doing it last year, we'd only just started the the Peter Capaldi years, and now there's another season. Yes. Incorporate, which is quite different to the first one. Oh, God, you don't go into the new series, do you, Michael? Yeah, oh, uh, <laughs> we're pretty down on that. But uh, well, that's fabulous. Well, good for you, and uh, and uh, good luck with the with the college course because that's quite incredible. Now nowadays, you can do a course in Doctor Who. It's incredible, <laughs> the brave wow. new world that we live yeah. in. 
Um, okay. Thanks for talking to us, Michael. Now, if we, if I get a chance, we, I'd love to come to the working class. Uh, is it the working class museum? What is it? The, the so, what's the museum? That's it, the Working Class Movement Museum in Manchester. So I'll, I'll try and get up there and hopefully we'll meet one day. OK, great. Great. Well, Thank thanks for talking to us. Great, yeah. let's sign off. Thank, Thank you, you very Michael. much. Bye-bye, Michael. Well, wasn't that lovely, Tom? Well, Thank you very much. Well, that's, it's a pleasure. He was a, a chap, that a, a work colleague of mine, uh, when she mm. found out I was doing this podcast, said, oh, I've got a friend, he, he loves Doctor Who. Right. She doesn't talk like that. <laughs> and she put me on to him, and uh, he followed us on, on Twitter, I believe, and, uh, and sent us some uh, emails. And uh, what a wonderful man. Well, and you know, great that he put up with our rather obtuse questioning and uh, yes I, I, I seeded a very good question with him which I think he liked I think you were you were rather ribbing ribbing us there you, you knew that Hulk was dead yes <laughs> well I was aware that uh, I might be wrong on this that the, the war games the novelisation that he wrote was published shortly after he died oh really um, mm. I, I might be wrong 1980 uh, either 1980 or in 1979 possibly when uh, For Your Eyes Only hit cinema screens yeah, it's sort of linked to Doctor Who because I was very fascinated there, Tom, in, in mm. that interview with what you said to Michael, which was yep. that how could anyone of um, uh, conscience could be could retain membership of the Communist yeah. Party in the in the in the nineteen fifties when they knew of the atrocities of the Stalin mm. regime, and so and writers like George Orwell, who were when I read them are very obviously politically to the left. Really? Right? In the late 40s, early 50s. So, I have a great know. deal of... I mean, he died in 1950. Yeah, yeah. And he was already attacking uh, Stalinist mm. communism in his later books like Animal Farm and uh, 1984. I would describe George Orwell always as, as a writer of the left. Yes, of course. But both parties now try to claim him as their own, but I think he was... No, he was left-wing. But yes, he was yes. disowned by a lot of lefties, wasn't he, because of his distrust and distaste for communism. I think, as I said in uh, very briefly, it's communism in action didn't ter- work terribly, especially in Russia and in, in China. It wasn't communism at all. It was just fascism with a different colour. Mm. And um, you so know, left, you're right. It's all very well being part of the Communist Party if that's what you believe. But the, the problem is, it's all it was all linked to communist Russia, and it was all uh, it, it was it was it wasn't just. Let's, this is what we believe. This is it was like this is what we believe, and we actually support what's going on. And it's mm. like well. I'm, I'm just, I find that rather queasy, queasy. Uh, and I'm amazed that people still carried on being communist and in, in the Communist Party. You can have sympathy with the with the thoughts. And I, and I, if, if, you know, I'm pretty much in line with Mac, Mac's politics. I'm very left wing, but yes. uh, but I think there's a great book by Ian, Ian um, McEwan called On Chesil Beach, which is about a similar sort of thing to two young mm. people meet uh, in the Communist Party, and it's about them falling out of love with each other, but also falling out of love with the Communist Party. So I find that very mm. stuff very interesting, especially in the fifties when, as you said, Hungary was just like. Uh, a big sort of thing that took everyone left, and yeah, you know, the, so Mass it's, it's exodus, a, a fascinating yeah. thing. But but Mac remained they in it to the border, didn't they? And, and the, it's, you know, East Germany as well. I mean, that's why the Berlin Wall was created. Yeah. So as 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 uh, Professor Sir Michael Herbert Herbert <laughs> <laughs> said, you know, he remained in it, and he was he was um, spied on by the by the government, which it, it's it, extraordinary. It, 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 it sounds surprising, but actually, you know, fair yeah. enough in a sense. If, if there was connections to, to what was going on, so the Cold War was going on. I mean, don't. Forget we'd had the Cambridge spies as exactly. well, of course, by yeah. that time. And Kim Philby, Guy Burgess, and people like mm. that, Anthony Blunt, who'd sold uh, secrets to the uh, defected to uh, to the Russians, and ended up, you know ended up there. Um, but the works of the works of Arthur Kersler, um, who I can't remember the name of the book I read recently. The, you know, he's sort of basically 
laying it all out. That came out in the early 50s. And you think, well, we read something like that. And, you, and then to carry on continuing thinking that, that, that Stalin was OK and, and all the sort of the yeah. people that came after him were OK. But I, Sorry, I, I, and, I, I know, wonder if it's easier to say, OK, well, you know, you know maybe, like we're talking about idealists, maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe OK, well, well, let's join the Communist Party, maybe... Uh, these are the principles I sign up to. Yeah, and that's but, why I'm but still if, if, you're, but if you're not in a communist country, then that's fine. But if you are living under a communist regime, like the, the Soviet regime and all the satellite states, you know, yeah. if you're living under Ceausescu in Romania and stuff like Which that... Which is basically fascism. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But there's communism in action. It's, yeah. it's how communism always ends. Possibly. I mean, I, there is an idealism behind being left-wing. I think, that, you know, let's make, bring it back to Doctor Who, and because and, and, Michael, Professor Herbert, Lord Tennyson said, <laughs> <laughs> said about, about um, you know, obviously they've got to be entertainment, they've got to be entertaining, so you've got to have an element of politics there. But, but and, and, and you said, Sam, that they, he humanises people, so it isn't clear that these are the baddies and these are the goodies when human yeah. beings are involved. yeah. Yeah. But there is a clear through fare that you can't ignore is that the doctor is always part of of uh, p- <clears throat> pricking a pricking sort of the boil of pomposity of, of bureaucra- bureaucracy and government and saying you know there's a, there's another way. Now whether that government happens to be communist or, or capitalist, it's oh, still yes. whoever is in much charge. Much the much doctor is seems to be against mm-hmm. because people who are in charge mm-hmm. seem to be corrupt and seem to be uh, not treating the masses very well. Whether they're communist or fascist or you know ca- capitalist or whatever they are, the doctor is always at the heart of, of, of the working man. Now I see that as being left wing. I see that as being yes. the formulation of my politics was through Doctor Who and also thinking that we'll get this get to this a religion episode. But I think the, the doctor is kind of a religious figure as well. Well, about being sort of Christ-like, yeah. uh, he's always on the side of of the downtrodden. Now, if you want to sort of put that into a big political thing, fine, you know. Um, and I probably did when I was younger. That's why I see the Doctor as a revolutionary, you know, Citizen yeah. Smith. He's but definitely he, a stirrer, and he, he comes in and rocks the boat. So was what we were told about Jesus when I was taking well, over yeah, just studying. Jesus was the original but communist. He's but, somebody who wades in to a society which is either corrupt or has got problems, rocks the boat, then leaves again. And these people yeah. often suffer, <laughs> suffering <laughs> as a consequence. Uh, talking, you know, talking about 70s stories. Uh, the pirate planet literally ends with all of the rebels cheering as the Doctor walks off, going, "You're on your own now." Well, yeah, and I think there was a bit of a joke about figure where he just sort of is the, is the, is the agitator, yeah, and, and actually, but the, doesn't you know, fix anything, just breaks the current system and walks away. But actually, from that's it. what a lot of, uh, sort of um, Western communists did. They'll go into Spain, they'll go and sort of agitate mm. in, the, in the Spanish Civil War, mm. and then they'll bugger off again to their cozy lives, you know. Yeah, and it's the yeah. people who are left yeah. to pick up the pieces. Mm. So this is intellectual um, communism whereby you've got these people who say yeah as I say you just go in and fuck off again at yeah. the end of the day so but I, think, I still think that he as, as Herbert Sir Michael um, Humphrey Appleby said Michael of Kent <laughs> Princess Michael of Kent said um, <laughs> you know <laughs> that he's on the side of right yeah. and, and when you sort of make things black and white like that you think actually yes of course because the masses the, the people mm. working but masses you, you just deserve to be treated you better you said that Doctor Who was possibly a communist when you were talking to Sir possibly, Michael, yeah. Sir Michael <laughs> but, but, but if Doctor Who had landed in in, uh, in China in nineteen in the nineteen sixties, of course he landed famously in China with uh, Marco Polo. Yes, he'd have met uh, John uh, Bennett. Bird has flown. One of us is yellow. <laughs> 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 playing all the roles. 
if he'd landed in Mao's China, he would yeah. not have been on the side of Mao. If, he, no, if no, he'd no, landed in not. 1970s or 1980s Romania, he would not have been on the side of China. No, no, he'd be on the side of the people, and that's so, that, he's not a communist. Well, it's communist with a big C or a small C. And what it is, is basically saying, OK, let's, let's ignore what it happens in reality, which mm. is that communism doesn't necessarily work, mm. and, and, and say, OK, if you're, if you're a communist, you care about the common man, the common people, the commune, that's, that's where yes. that word comes from. So you've got, you've got, he, he, would, he wouldn't care about labels. Oh, but I'm a, I'm a communist and he's not a communist. It's irrelevant. If you're a member of the Communist Party, then really that's a bit much for the lot. He wouldn't be part of any political party. But what he would be part of is, is, is trying to help the underdog and the oppressed. Now, that's, if you look at the rhetoric between mm. all the left-wing people throughout history, they use that. Obviously, they, they become corrupt. Yes. Now, Corbyn, let's say, you know, he's getting political, but I don't think he's corrupt. I think the people, some people around him are awful people, terrible people. Yes. But he, Corbyn isn't corrupt. He, no. he wants a better world. You know, but he's not going to be able to run the country on his own. He relies on corrupt think, people think, to think, run it with him. No, I think, I think that's the sort of reality bite, and so that's the problem, isn't it? So capitalism is the least worst option. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think Jeremy Corbyn's actually against capitalism. He's, he's for a more ethical capitalism. But this is getting into... <coughs> we need to go to the pub to discuss this, really. Yeah. <laughs> not on air. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do think that the, the doctor going in there and shaking people up is, is an admirable thing. Because what, about, it, what about Gorbachev? Would, would Dr. Who have supported him? <laughs> well, I don't know, really, because he, uh, he was into... Glasnost, Perestroik, and all these other words that we don't really know what they mean. <laughs> but he had a very peculiar red wine, red port wine stain he on his head. Did, yes. so, in, in a sense, shape of Africa. In a sense, he was a baddie <laughs> because he had a disfigurement. Make a very good bond. But he was, uh, I mean, he, was a, he was a pacifier, wasn't he, Gorbachev? So he yeah. was, uh, he was sort of yeah. trying to be neither one nor t'other and yeah. say, let's try and work together. And, and, and you know, but then it's, but Yeltsin was a fucking crook, wasn't he? Yeah. So, uh, so Gorbachev was one of the good guys, I think, a bit like Mandela. Yeah. You know, like, you can't compare the two because. Because Mandela went through an awful lot, but I think Gorbachev, mm. he was—I think he was a good guy. But yeah. then, uh, what's come after Yeltsin, Putin? These are awful yeah. people. It's interesting you say good guy. It's something I wanted to touch on because you mentioned it in the interview that Matt Hulk would try not to have good or bad characters. Yes. Yeah. He'd have left or right characters yeah. or confused centre characters who were motivated by a political ideal and trying to achieve that. And then the Doctor would step in and go, "This is right. This is wrong." Mm. But thinking about it. Every time the bad guy is always a right wing person in well, of course, Doctor Who, but right this is what we've got in current politics <laughs> now. <laughs> is I'm, it, extreme right, extreme left are both bad people. You've just said that in terms of communism. Well, I, I think so. so yeah, and yeah. I think this is the problem with Matt Culk is a great writer and a great, but not necessarily a socialist, but a communist. Yeah, no, I, I think I think you know to, to sort of um, put. I think yeah, getting three three dimensional characters. But when, when, then a lot of these stories are written for Pertwee's Doctor, who I see as a patrician authoritarian figure. I think he's, yeah, I think he's a Tory. Yeah, exactly. He's a sort of a, a small seed conservative, maybe, compared to Tom Baker, who is the ultimate sort of bohemian and let's let it all hang out. And, Absolutely. You know, yeah. let's all go and wash hair and get our cocks mm. out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't see John Pertwee with his uh, tattooed penis, would you? Well, unless you were... Ca- or that old woman in Oldburn. Yes, you usually visit right on a regular basis. More beeping, I'm going to have to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's a, I don't know, so... so Invasion of the Dinosaurs, I mean, that was a Mac Hall classic. Terrible dinosaurs in it. But, Very uh, good story. But John Bennett, who later played Lee Sin Chang, who died in 2005, plays the, the villain in that, in Invasion of the Dinosaurs. Hmm. And is he right-wing? Yes, he is. Yes, he yeah. is. 
He's right wing. I haven't seen it for ages. So. There's an interesting line in uh, Invasion of the Dinosaurs um, where the all the people are on the spacecraft, aren't they? And they're apparently in orbit. And I'm starting to wonder if Mark Hulk was changing his allegiance at this point or just starting to view things suspiciously because Sarah Jane is questioning what's happening with all the propaganda she's seeing on screen yeah. of miners yes. and explosions and death. And she said, this is not right. This is not a true representation. And one of the guys on the spacecraft says... Oh, but you can't say such things. Mm. Which yeah. is an extreme yeah. left viewpoint. You and, can't say that. And yeah, I'm starting yeah, yeah. to wonder, well, well, is Mac Hulk falling out? Is he, is he falling out with the hippie left well, movement? No, I think, yeah. I think basically, basically he's an intelligent guy and he's just seeing it for what it is. So you, can, you can be left-wing like, like I would profess to be. But blinded but, by but, but not, But not be blinded by it and still say, look, this is the stuff that's happening, for example, at the moment with Jeremy Corbyn. It's like, come on. You know, it's basically this sort of... Uh, Horrible stuff that you see. You think, hold on, if you if you if that's the way that you're being, you're going to turn people off the cause. Mm. Scottish naturalism. Well, <laughs> 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 when that all happened last year, um, you know, when the, the independence debate came along, um, you know, uh, what it did is it, it politicised a whole bunch of people who weren't normally into politics. Yeah. And so on Twitter, particularly, you get what they call the cyber nats, and they're really. Am I really that interested? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cyber, the cybernauts. The cybernauts, yes, yes. Which, I, which I thought was something to do with the Avengers. <laughs> it's peddler. Uh, but uh, no, it's, it's loads of a bunch of horrible people who aren't traditional sort of politicos. You know, they're not. Mm. They're just normal people who who have been traditionally powerless, mm. and they treat people like you might do in a Glasgow pub, i.e., without any shit. And they're quite abusive to people. If you if you if you say you, you're a Scottish person and you think we should not separate from from the UK they'll come at you and hang on top you know they'll, mm, they'll come at you yeah. and they won't be nice about it saying I, I respectfully disagree they're like fuck they you you fucking bastard difference of opinion a they won't difference of opinion yes and, and so there's that sort of aspect which I think Matt Culk in, uh, in Invasion of the Dungeons is saying that you know this is rife once yeah. you get a sort of a, a sort of a, a leader or a set of beliefs that is that is adhered to by a bunch of other people, they can't cope with a difference of opinion because they no. see it as corrupt or they see it mm. as wrong. So they have to sort of, and this is not communism. This is human nature. Mm, and so, what is. do we do about that politically? So, and it's know, touched on know. in one of the earliest Doctor Who stories, mm. the Daleks, mm, where yes. you have to be aggressive to protect it's the a, passive nature of living true, it's, it's and in, Ian says that in you'll group, fight for survival in solidarity outgroup hostility it's, it's yeah. the basis of natural selection it's evolution yeah. And I think the meek and mild will inherit the earth, but how long will they hold on to it? Well, exactly. Yeah. And you just think, well, you know, there's no answer to this. It's just very interesting. I think that, that even Doctor Who is is wrestling with these issues. And I have to go back and watch Invasion of the Dinosaurs because I think I've read the book. I think I've seen it all the way through. The book is better because it, yeah. there's less actual focus on the dinosaurs. on the dinosaurs. It's mostly about the human about the de- the de- desire de- to roll back to the golden age yeah. when, when people were nice to each other. Dinosaurs for the first time, which. It was probably only about ten years ago when it came out on VHS. I was astonished at how good it is. Yeah. It's really well written. Mackle delivers a, a cracking set yeah. of six scripts, and I thought, why is this so ignored? Well, it, it's only ignored it's because the crap of effects, yeah, yeah. the crap effects. But the actual story is, is beautiful. It's really good. Yeah. But but there is also something about about and this is moving on slightly about the about the way that we see government and and how. Really, about quite an interesting article about that, about how we used to see government as kind of we used to have respect for politicians, mm. but then after the perfumer affair, which is the sort of six, mid sixties, yeah. and so as as time went on, we we've, we've now become aware that politicians are basically bastards.
ministers, and they're all corrupt, and they're all in it for themselves. Now, the reality is they're not. And you even have some Tory MPs who aren't evil. You know, mm-hmm. it's surprising as that may seem. But in the 70s, very much but, but, so. But as the 70s progressed, yeah. you realise that, you know, you've got the trade unions who are all sort of cozying up to the to the to the workers in order to sort of get their pay packet essentially mm. but then you've also got the sort of right-wing interest i mean you know thatcherism is all about um, as david hare says in his recent biography which, mm. uh, which i've been reading at the moment uh, is all about selling off the public goods for private uh, benefits yes. so that's actually thatcherism is is, is corruption yes. made writ large right, yeah. right and mm. actually made official thank you Sam. and we're all and still I'm, I'm to a political debate so i need another it leads on to what I wanted to say very briefly was, is the High Council of the Time Lords the government? And is Tom Baker's yeah, no, doctor, so. is, is he a the liberator of people from that government? But I think, I think Tom Baker is a part of it at the same time. Is he the Jeremy Corbyn? <laughs> well, Tom Baker wouldn't, would, Tom Baker's doctor would just not, you can say, well. Is he an anarchist? He's an anarchist. Is, I he's think not so. anything, he's just mm. himself. He's a left wing And he cares about people. If that makes you left wing, then that's why I'm left wing, because mm. it's a care. My, yeah. my left wingness is about caring about good and right and being moral. It's about saying there's humanity in all of us and we need to look to the, to the best of people and we need to you know that's what I'm not left wing because uh, for my own it doesn't serve me, me as a person it serves the whole society when you, when the, the, the extreme of right wing is about sort of serving the few I'm about yes. to say so I'm yes. being very personal there but I think Tom Baker wouldn't, wouldn't be part of a political bias at all I've always considered conservatism to be you know a conservative nature to be suspicious yes. of oh, people yes. and, and that's what it means net curtain twitching yes and Concerned about people and mistrust, difference, yeah, and, and difference. setting up against black, black against white or gay, against exactly. Yes, yeah, so exactly. You know, yeah. Retaining something that's because it's conserving something. It's good retaining mm. the sort of status quo. If it and, and basically that, that's still the case. And if it, if they want to, um, I can see about Buddy Windrush <laughs> gnashing his teeth. <laughs> but but you know, if you're a conservative, you want the status quo to remain, which is that the rich people are. Keep the money, and, and we don't, we we yeah. don't distribute yes. it across the sort of the, yes. the whole people. Because if you did that, then the people with the money would have who who want bloody half their money, uh, you know, <laughs> don't want to give it to those poor people, and have sort of equality. You know. Yes, anyway. well, I mean, maybe try and steer it vaguely back to Doctor Who. Some some of our listeners may oh. have tuned out. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, Professor Col- Michael Sir Herbert is having a good old time. colony in space. Doomsday weapon, we have the novelization on the table. Uh, it, very political, very political. Uh, again, very left wing. But that, it, that's really Mac Holt's writing coming through, isn't it? That's Doctor Who being very political in the 1970s. It's almost a sequel to the Salorians, which was we had an indigenous population yeah. that existed before we did. Yeah. And then there's the proprietary issue of, like, well, who owns this space? And yes. John Pertwee's doctor says, it's like, you can share it. It's like it's South American, Africa. American Indians. It's, it's South like Africa. South Africa. It's all these things. Uh, the, the people who... Uh, they came after the Native American Indians, the Americans, who, who revere their, uh, particularly their, their, um, their, their uh, president, don't they? Are we only American listeners? You can't really say that. I think, I think it's safe, safe to say even the American listeners that like Doctor Who will fucking hate Trump. 
Surely. Well, and if you don't, yeah. we don't want you listening anymore. Can I say, can I say something vaguely controversial? OK, go on. Out of all the Republican candidates, I prefer Trump <laughs> to the rest of them. Now, that is, <laughs> that, that, that is like saying I would prefer a certain form of cancer above <laughs> But nevertheless, if I had That's like saying I prefer cancer over a slight cold. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's yeah. ridiculous. No, but, I mean, the, all the other Republicans no. are fucking awful. I mean, he's fucking awful, but the rest but of them are at least, even worse. At least, at least he's fun about it. Matt Hulk, we, we put him up as being the political Doctor Who writer of the 70s, but mm. there is another, it's Douglas Adams. Really? I think so. He was keen on science. He was keen on science, but science is... with a small p. He wasn't wasn't, a member of any party, I don't believe. I'm not sure. Did you know that um, it was at his 40th birthday party that Lala Ward and Richard Dawkins got together? And they invented the internet. Yeah, that, yeah. I wonder what Lala Ward looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Dawkins knows. (laughs) Let's write to Dawkins. Let's tweet him here. I'll just give you a minute. Okay. (laughs) So, Barry Letts. Yes, a Buddhist. A Buddhist. A bald and that's exactly Buddhist. what I wanted to say. Bearded. A Buddhist. Bearded, a bald, bearded Buddhist. He was obsessed Barry. with ecology <laughs> and he thought that the, the current government was ruining the planet and destroying it. Well, he was right. And it was a big political movement, the right. oil issue. Mm-hmm. And as was touched on with Sir Patrick of Lombard, <laughs> um, the Green Death was, yeah. not, was not written by no. Mac Hulk. No. It was actually written by Terence Dudley. Was it? Um, no, it wasn't. Terrence. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't by Barry. I think it was Robert Sloman. Robert yes, Sloman, it was Robert Sloman. Yeah, you're right. But we watched The Green Death. I, always and I think it's uh, one of the Sloman most political stories mm. of the 70s, let's, along with... Let's focus on The Green Death just for a little while. Mm. Along with... Along with Monster of Peladon, which is not a very good story, but it's about the mining crisis. We watch The Green Death with, with sort of our eyes of, you know... I love it. I love it's, it. It's brilliant. It's a, it's a brilliant story. But also those ecological issues, it was quite revolutionary at its time about, about mm. ecology. You know, yeah. it's a 73, was it? 73? Yes, 73. It's not like it was 83 or 93. It was yeah, 1973. Yeah. And it was bringing up this stuff. And obviously you had the Joe Grant's boyfriend who's a bit of a hippie. Very much. But the young doctor. The, the young doctor, yes, Peter Davison. <laughs> <laughs> but it certainly wasn't uh, mainstream, those no, ideas. At all. They became mainstream, I would say, in the late 80s when I was sort of growing up. Right. You know, Save the Whale and, 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 and Jonathan mm. Porritt and all that yeah. stuff. But mm. I, I, I do think it was quite ahead of its time. It was. It was. I think so. It, it yeah. shows a rebellion which the Doctor is part of, but he's above that because he's involved more in, in the action and everything else. But it's I a think suspicion of heavy industry as well. Heavy industry, and also the boss is a machine, literally mm. a machine, yeah, 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 which yeah. is controlling people, and it's got no heart or any idea Maybe it's about a how people against what was going on in Mao's China with the Great Leap Forward and the mechanisation of uh, possibly industry. <laughs> possibly. <laughs> is that a leap? It's a very leap, but a big leap. leap. But it's very on the nose, Tom. It's, mm. it's not just about a generic you know world where there's a crisis it's whales yeah. mining yeah, yeah, save quality. the whales <laughs> Very good, yes. bomb the whale um, no uh, yeah. yeah anyway but I, I think that's the the most political story of the baronets era because yeah, it's yeah, about yeah, ecology right, yeah. and future proofing yeah. and i think baronets is very much concerned about the future yes yeah, i mean the computer is called boss exactly yeah, so I mean, you know who's who yeah and i think it's quite interesting that matt Hulk choosing to write novelizations, picked that one out and said, I want to novelize this. Yeah, that obviously inspired him. Indeed, and it's apparently, and I've not read it for many years, obviously because there's other things to read, like Geoffrey Archer. (laughs) And I think there's a reason why they made Joe Grant leave on a story which had a, a miniature doctor in it. 
A miniature, a miniature doctor. doctor. What yeah. was the master in it? <laughs> <laughs> the invisible enemy. <laughs> she calls. <laughs> the, I say miniature doctor, but I mean a younger doctor. I mean a, a, pro- Davis, a, David. <laughs> a proto doctor, if you like. Um, yeah. Professor Jones. <laughs> okay, you'll get this sentence out. Eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Jones. Yes. yes, yes who is the young rebel? Jones. John Pertwee's doctor wasn't radical enough. So they had to bring in a young yeah. character, be the yes, radical. Yeah. Who were right. there, who was also foreshadowing what was to happen you in know, Doctor Who. You know, after all that bullshit, God, you're right. He's actually hit on something. That's I was a trying to marvellous get... point. <laughs> and the Doctor saw him as a rebel that he wasn't so sure of Joe Gant going off with, and I thought it was very Perhaps interesting. Perhaps a foreshadowing uh, of Tom yeah. Baker's Doctor appearing in Doctor Who. We needed Tom Baker, that's what we needed. Yeah. It was time for John to go. Time for the change. Board. Change, my dear. Oh no, that came later. <laughs> so maybe it's a time for change for us because we 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 talked ourselves out. That's yes. it. Right, we've got very political, and we'll come back to politics and Doctor Who probably in every episode we talk about. So it was just generally 1970s politics and Doctor Who. Well, it's nice to talk about politics, yeah, isn't yeah, it? We, we, we're all centre ground, I think. I'm very. Exactly. I'm, I'm so centre. I'm yeah. terribly left wing. Yeah, Tom's very left wing. Yeah, you can tell from my haircut. Mm, yes. Yes, indeed. Can't trust him. <laughs> wouldn't trust him to run the economy. Oh, no. I wouldn't know what to do. I don't know how to add up. We're going into Josiah's library, and it's me talking about Doctor Who and the Doomsday Weapon. Ah. No, 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 you two run along. I'm going to do a spot of reading. You tell me to finish this book before we reach Bombay. I feel bad sometimes for interrupting Samuel Payne. He's, mm. he's, he, he, he just revealed that he, he knows a lot about this stuff. He does. We're always interrupting yes. him. Yes. So we won't interrupt you. It's a shocking all. business. We won't even uh, we won't even say a, a, a single word. There won't be a, another a further interruption. We won't we won't even uh, open a can of beer when you're talking. Okay. This is the last thing I'm going to. We're say. We're not going to talk at all about this. <laughs> no. Over to you, Sam. This is the last thing I'm going to say. Okay, over to you. Yes. We won't even no. mention anything to do with the Doomsday Weapon. And what There'll we be think nothing about further. No. We're, we're not going to raise any deep political issues. No. Anything divisive. He has lots of very deep things to say. I really like the cover of this book. <laughs> uh, it has Doctor Who written on the front in block. In black. In black. And, <laughs> and it has... And the Doomsday Weapon. No. The Doomsday Weapon is the novelisation of Doctor Who: Colony in Space. Why did they change the title, Sam? Really, that expensive. They did it because it was less. It, the Colony in Space is the most drab title. It's dull. It's dull. Mm-hmm. And the editors of the Target novels back in the day said, "That's bloody spearhead from space. No, Autonomy Invasion." Mm. Uh, Doctor Who, Colony in Space. Boy. Oh, Doomsday Weapon. Whoa, weapon! Hey. Bang! <laughs> it's actually a reasonably dull TV show with great ideas in it. The novel yeah. is the is the version to go to. Go to the novel, okay? Mm-hmm. It's really agree. great. So it's basically, in my mind, a sequel to Doctor Who and Doctor Who and the Silurians, Mm. Where there is an indigenous population on a planet. Doctor Who and Doctor Who and the Silurians. People have arrived on it. (laughs) If you watch the credits. (laughs) People have arrived on the planet and 
there's activity going on the planet from a population that lived there before. Mm. But this is more interesting because yes. we then have capitalism yes. popped on top from the interplanetary mining corporation yeah. who want to kick out the colonists and also don't even acknowledge the primitives. Mm. It's Africa, basically, it really and the is. gold crisis mm. and everything else. And that's it. That's a political storyline. That's where it's been lifted from. And one of the finest moments in any Target novelization is a chapter about Leader Dent. Now, Leader Dent is the head... That's played by Maurice Perry. He's, is he still alive, still Greg? Still alive, yeah. He must be in his 90s by now. Mm. He must be in his 90s. Great actor. Great moment in this book is when it's just dedicated to Dent reflecting on his past. And it's nothing to do with the story at all. And it's one of the most fascinating parts Are of the whole Are you sitting book. comfortably? Then I'll begin. Over to Sam Payne. Six months later, Dent returned to Earth again, this time with a bigger bonus. In the envelope, with the bonus statement, was a key bearing an address tag. This was his new home. His wife was waiting for him. Quite a pretty young woman, with short hair dyed dull blue, as was the fashion of that month. Are you my husband? She said, as he led himself in. I imagine I will be, he answered, looking round at his new home. It had two rooms, a shower, a lavatory, and a tiny kitchen. He was amazed at the influence wielded by IMC, which could get him anywhere to live as big as this. It's all fixed, said the girl. IMC had our state record stapled together in the automatic personnel file, so we're already married. That's fine, Dent said, still looking at his new living quarters. What's that? He pointed to a set of knobs and dials in the tiny kitchen. The girl explained it was the infrared cooker and spent the next hour showing Dent all the gadgets in their home. Finally, he said, Do you know how much all this is going to cost me? I worked it out, said the girl. Even if they make you up to captain next year with your earnings, you'll pay off IMC for all this in about 20 years' time. But of course, by then we'll have moved to somewhere bigger and there'll be children, so I imagine you'll be paying back IMC for just about the rest of your life. She laughed. It was a really pretty laugh, and for the first time, Dent really noticed her in among all the other gadgets in his new home. Over the next few days of leave, he found that the IMC matchmaking computer had done a very good job, and the two of them were going to be happy together. Do they end up <laughs> Two years later, they had their first child. And then their second. Oh, oh, twice, yeah. twice, twice, twice. They had sex twice. Yeah. And both children were now in a school owned and run by IMC, yeah. solely for the children of IMC staff. As Dent sat there, touching the controls of the IMC spaceship, That's what he, calls it. <laughs> he felt happy and secure in the fact that he was an IMC man with an IMC wife. IMC children with a beautiful four-room IMC home. Four-room. His present and his future were secure as IMC, and IMC would go on forever. I must say, that's, that's a wonderful an incredible. Reading. That's a wonderful reading. Very good. And what it, and it occurred to me all, in all the way through that, obviously, this is how he, let's take this the evils of capitalism, isn't it? So the yeah. evils of communism. Yeah. Um, with a big C. Yeah. All that is 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 uh, could could be applied to say America. But it also could be applied to communist Russia. Yeah. That's how things work when he's <laughs> getting touch. He's fully paid up. He's paid up. To, and if you pay up to Stalinism, you pay up to uh, Reaganism, whatever it is, mm. then you are going to benefit. Yes. Dent's family was clearly very important to him. <clears> and he would have <throat> liked to have hung photographs of his family on the wall. And he would have needed to bang a nail into a wall to do that. Did he use an IMC hammer? <laughs> Can't touch this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
that was a, that was a <laughs> l- l- Labour joke if we can keep a listen uh, the most Labour joke the thing is uh, Greg Jameson has such a charming face it makes it a lovely joke but you can't see that so it's just a little bit of a damp squib but you see Pass why it. wasn't the target um, novelisation uh, editor the people who edit these books saying to Matt Colk this isn't moving the story on we need to cut it, but, this but it's not about moving the story it's giving the characters depth and humanity so you care about them so you, know, you mm. care about that you, now you give a shit about Dent it's not you part do. of the everything story that, everything that Dent does after you, that uh, is referenced back to that point you when, know his attitude and you understand he dons a dressing gown and goes off to uh, the hitchhiker's come <laughs> 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 uh, mm. can cut that can we? <laughs> <laughs> no it's I mean you know um there's lots of that about, you know, IMC. IMC. I was starting to wonder if, it, you know, the, the IMC was a bit of a, also a bit of a joke of BBC. Yeah. You get your BBC pension, your wife could get a job in BBC admin department. Quite easily, I, if you were in sure the international I think, I think mining it, it, it is about it is about big business, just big they, business. But but also how institutionalisation is. Yes, is, yes. And the BBC mm. is sometimes about being guilty of that. But it's a wonderful passage, and I think you know that's what the targets do. That the, the, the books do. That the I TV think can't. To be fair, Tom, it's early targets which are like this, and then yeah, the very well, late I mean, ones. The late ones that actually There's out a description earlier Twitter. in the book, though, isn't there, about you know a guy having his IMC house and his IMC this, that, and the other, and everything's paid for, not by the government, as it would be if if we're talking about communism, mm. but by the the corporation that. That he works for, so it is. It, it's it's simultaneously uh, a criticism of capitalism as well as communism. I think it's uh, it's Mac Hulk going. Uh, it's quite he's quite blunt about it. You know this sort of the 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 system of big government and uh, whichever way you're looking at it. It's being fully paid up to the biggest thing that's going on at the time. And yeah, I think yes. that I think what I love about it's that blind eye to everything else because they own you. Basically. And the exactly. arrogance to think that IMC will go on forever. Yeah, and that's the. It's like no, it will not. Rome will did not. Uh, not last forever. It was built in a day. It was built in a day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it took a few hundred years to, hmm. to, to decline. Yes. Uh, there's another point in the book oh, I should really touch. I'm not, it's not, it's not, this is not a book review at all, really. It's just like there's two points in this book which stuck pages? out. <laughs> all 45,000 of the words. Um, yeah. it, I read this when I was about 10, and it really stuck with me, that paragraph there. And there was another point where there was someone who died. And again, mm. these are parts which you don't see in the TV show. And I think mm. if they'd done a flashback... It would have cost money, wouldn't it, to yeah. have had it located mm. on a different set? But, mm. God, that character would have had more depth yeah. by showing that. There's yeah. a point here which they didn't have in the show either. I think it's a great show, and I wonder whether it was cut from the script or it's something that Matt Culp put into a novel. I suspect the latter, actually. And it's when someone dies, and mm. the third Doctor instructs them on how to deal with death. John Pertwee. That's right, John Pertwee mm. played Doctor Who from uh, 1942 to 1986. <laughs> <laughs> As the doctor led the way to where the other colonists with spades were waiting by freshly dug graves, he turned his head and spoke over his shoulder to Ash. Tell your daughter to have tea or coffee or something ready for our return. Ash was bewildered. Why? I'll explain afterwards, said the doctor. Ash called his daughter over to him, and as he walked carrying the stretcher and gave her the order, she, at least, never questioned him. From the corner of his eye, he saw her hurrying back to the main dome. At last, they were beside the holes, which the doctor had called graves, here, Ash was glad to let the Doctor take over. The Doctor had ropes ready so that the two bodies could be lowered gently into their respective graves. 
Thanks, said Ash. Glad someone knew what to do. Now we have a service, said the doctor. What religion were they? Mm. Religion, said Ash, not understanding. You must stand here and say some nice things about them both, said the doctor, still in no more than a whisper. You must say they did not die for nothing. Why, said Ash. Because, said the doctor, all these people standing here expect it. They don't know that they expect it because they've never met death before. Not on your computerised, sanitised earth. Mm. And I thought that was really sage mm. words for a kid's yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's quite yeah. powerful stuff. It touches on religion and the, the, the emptiness of it. Coming soon to a podcast, <laughs> a religious episode. But, uh, yeah, no, I think that's lovely. It's great stuff. And it's just Matt Colk not being afraid to actually spend time, I think you said this, Greg, of not, it's, it doesn't mean the story long at all. It's a moment where people are talking about society, mm. about life and about backstory and all of those kind of things which you'd expect, actually, in a novel. And these books are throwaway adventure stories. But, you know, and Matt Culp brought but, something. But, he thought, but yeah, you know, we talk about Matt Culp and, and, and Professor Herbert said that uh, you know he was a communist and all that sort of stuff. But as you say, that's uh, not as communism. You say, but as you said earlier, he's quite critical of stuff. He's not mm. blind to it all. He's a member of the Communist Party, okay. But he's but that's critical of atheism. That's critical of of, the, uh, uh, of a Stalinist. Let's get rid of religion, mm. which yes. you know we're sometimes guilty in our sort of Dawkins worshipping way mm. of doing, you know, let's get rid of spiritualism let's, let's have a purely atheistic society and the result of that is that that people don't know what to do and don't know how to treat death because that's what religion gives us, it gives us a sort of a way of, of working out the world that, that goes, you know it's not fact based and it's not real, it's not true, clearly it's not come on listeners, wake up <laughs> if you're listening to this in a, a monastery you may wish to turn off, the, <laughs> turn off but you know come on it's all bollocks but it does serve a purpose and the purpose is, is, is that is, is about respecting people and saying their lives were in vain, now of course of course, people's lives are entirely futile and mm. pointless, and people live and die in vain. And the cosmos doesn't owe us an explanation. No, but 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 that little passage describes the doctor being aware of the fact that people need an explanation. People need to sort of remember things, and people need a sort of a, a, a ritual and a, and a sort of scripture, as opposed to sort of to kind of make sense of the world. Because without it, why bother? And it's but also the, it's also the doctor saying, "What religion were they?" Yeah. He has no interest, yeah. but he understands again, the importance not, not, of the individual. But again, he's not—he's not part of a political party. He's not no. part of a religion. Now, we and also he's a bit of a mystery. So he—he he may have his own private beliefs, but mm. we don't want to know them because he's a character that is above all that. Because he's a—he's a sort of a—it's uh, not a god. He's kind of just—he's just someone that we really, really respect. Exactly, like the yeah. doctor, we love him because he doesn't ever go into his own backstory. He never talks about his own family. He's got a granddaughter. He doesn't talk about that. And this is what the new series is guilty of doing so, mm. so much. And, I, and, you know, for all I like some aspects of it, come on, you know, do we don't want to know about that. It's Doctor Who. He should yeah. be a mystery. He should be a Bob mm. He should be like someone who is, is not like us. Well, in this are the lovely little nuggets that, uh, that, that, that really sort of lift, lift it, don't they? That, yeah. that, Mac Hulk in this in this novelization, and also I, I would say in the in the, the serialization of the colony in space, he's not. It's for a, a children's audience. The, the children are the audience. He's not talking down to them. So here we are at the age of, you know, in our mid 
30s. Mid to late. Almost 40. Fucking uh, Still talking about this. Talk, because yourself, talk about yourself, bitch. Yes, yes. Samuel Payne's in his early 30s. <laughs> He's been a boy. If you look at the website, you'll see that Samuel Payne looks rather doughy. <laughs> oh! He looks older than us. It's the booze. Uh, it's the booze. It's the booze. The I think Tom's a little jealous that <laughs> Sam is arguably the most good looking. Oh! <laughs> Racy lifestyle, yes. <laughs> putting his pizzle oh. every, every which so way. I, I can tell you that at my wedding, you'll have to seat in the music. At my wedding, all the mothers and grandmothers oh, were yes. all over Samuel, Samuel Payne. Payne oh. to me. God, he could have pulled at, at least seven women in their sixties. <laughs> they, they said to me, "Is that your son?" <laughs> Let's yeah. finish off this little section by just, yeah. just saying a little praise of the Doomsday Weapon and the sort of that sort of it. It's my favourite Doctor Who novel. Yes. Aww. Simply because of the richness of the backstory mm. and the complexity of the characters. If you write a silly adventure story which is about monsters, you've got to have characters which have some kind of basis for you to care about them. Yeah. And every single one of them has some kind of political leaning in this mm. book. And the genius of Matt Cole, because he's such a liberal-minded guy... He has everything in here, from left to right to centre. And Ash, who is the centre leader of this, is a very centre guy. And I think the only message that Matt Culk actually has to say is, don't be partisan. Be something. Be human. Be human. Be wrong. But we need, to, um, no, 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 no. We need to, another brief uh, section 28. They have an inalienable right to be gay. Because <laughs> that was lovely. So, yeah. Nicholas Pennell, who played Winton, was a homosexual. <laughs> well, we might put that in. Uh, I'll just add that uh, I'd give it five Tardises out Crumb. of five. Really? Uh, uh, for a Doctor Who novel, and everybody yeah. needs to read that. Never mind everything that's been written about Doctor Who in, the, in terms of new novels. That's not very well, but when we're in the communist society, we don't give uh, star ratings. Everyone's oh, equal. Yeah. So it just gets yeah. the same as everything else. So, oh. so there you go, you can't have a rating. This has been a contentious, you. exciting episode, and I hope that some people have got their, their backs up about what They've we've had to say. Up. I hope their balls have been uh, massaged. Uh, and I hope Buddy Windrush is shaking with rage I right think, now. I hope he is, because he's, uh, he's, he's on my hit list. <laughs> <laughs> if he dares to step out of line, I'll be tweeting him. But c- <laughs> can you hear in the distance? Yes. It's the, it's the eloquent tones of IF stands for index file. It's IF. But no, as I just said, we don't have competition in the communist world. We just ah. have everyone's equal. So we're going to scrap IF for this week because it sets Everyone's people... a winner, like exactly. in Michael Winner's house. <laughs> Everyone's a winner, baby. We <laughs> That's the truth. We don't have capitalism. <laughs> we just have an equal society where we three are equally good and we respect each other. Yeah, for I respect you. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that. Yeah. Right, so see, you, I... see you in a couple of weeks for another exciting episode of... Doctor Who! The Complete Menagerie! Almost. Almost. If you enjoyed listening to that twaddle, you can follow us on Twitter at DW Menagerie. That's at DW Menagerie, and we'll be tweeting various photographs of our inside leg measurements and that sort of thing. Doctor Who is copyright of the BBC. No infringements on copyright are intended. 
Support Doctor Who by purchasing DVDs and CDs and all other media from the BBC. Any comments made by the complete menagerie, <laughs> almost, are all our own. You've been listening to a Sixth Floor production. Thank <laughs> you.